Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's the Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. When Jesus was at the table with them, he took some bread, gave thanks, divided it, and gave it to them. And then they were allowed to recognize him. Luke 24, 30 to 31. Men are easier to recognize after a long time than women. Women change their hairstyles and their hair color and can be quite deceptive in their appearance. When I met up with some of my school friends, whom I hadn't seen for the best part of 30 years, my hair was short and white, where it had been long and brown. My friends recognized me by my mannerisms. And here you have that are so frightened, sad and confused, they didn't recognize him. And it wasn't until they stopped for something to eat and he broke the bread that they realized who he was and went, it's him. And then the postmortem. Didn't you have a feeling there was something familiar while we were walking along? Didn't your stomach kind of clench when he was talking to us? Didn't it feel like a fire burning in us? They knew, but they didn't know. Those around us are characterized by their mannerisms, aren't they? Sometimes we find ourselves thinking, she reminds me of someone. It's the way she holds her cup or smiles or inclines her head. Or it may be in his walk, the way he gestures, his raised eyebrows. When we meet Jesus along our road, do we recognize him? Is it in the familiar pattern our morning takes? Or the way we look at a friend or react to a child? Do we recognize him in the people we meet? In situations that come about with apparently no help from us? Let's rejoice as we walk as resurrection people for Christ is risen indeed. There is no doubt about that. And every time we receive communion, we're allowed to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Alleluia. Hello, welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For some, it's school. For me, it suited the maverick that lurked within when I decided I didn't want to miss anything my children were doing by handing them over to folk who weren't, who weren't their mother. We came up with a lifestyle that was unique to us. We gave our all and our children are well equipped to go it alone as we're fast learning. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of mothers and fathers on this show, from the secular to the missionary, the academic to the child-led. Schooling can be added to boat, bike, and the world as we unlock learning opportunities anywhere. In my journey, I've used the tools God gave me to live my life fully. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. Children will do that for you. Gaining insights and delights along the way, which I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of iced coffee and maybe some leftover trifle. And thank you for staying. But I understand. I don't see you. You're on that side, and I'm here broadcasting from Turkey Creek in Florida. Yes, we made it safe and sound. After the first break, Mike Donnelly from the Homeschool Legal Defense Association will be returning to talk about the good news as far as the Romica family go, and also offering his expert insight into homeschooling and why it's a good choice for parents. 
So stay with me to hear more. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies where we're enjoying orange groves, cow tree, boats, dogs, and a beautiful house. Are you ready? Well, as I said, we arrived safe and sound this past weekend at the little community called Turkey Creek, which we are to call home for the next three months, along with two resident canines. Leaving Texas was easy enough. The main concern we had was that our two girls were set to move into their own living quarters, but we needn't have worried. This whole situation has been blessed and the girls are sensibly renting rooms in houses that already have utilities and Wi-Fi with no deposit or lease and the rent covers everything except their food. Our Perry Poppins daughter is in a house on a quiet cul-de-sac in a lovely neighborhood, only 10 minutes from her job, and she's already moved in. Actually, she got there, took a shower and realized she had no towels, so she had to use her flannel sheets as her towels. That was funny. Dortz will be in a house close to both her second job at a coffee shop within walking distance and her dance teaching job. Lots of money to be saved on gas. She's currently biding her time with her nanny job until her brother moves to L.A. and the lease on their flat expires, which will be in mid-June. She's prepared. Her experience with the two public school teens she ferries to after-school activities has been eye-opening for her and she'll be glad to see the back of it. She finds little or no con. Dorts hear the horror stories and they are horror stories from the back seat of her car and believe me, she won't want her children being educated in the same way. In letting our children go, I find that the biggest challenge has been to allow them to make their own decisions. They made good ones though, good or bad. So I pray for them. I pray, as Alison Botke, my guest from a few weeks ago says, I pray that God will use them as he has planned. When we get in the way of God by sticking in our oar and helping him with our children, we may prevent them from becoming whom God created them to be. In fact, as I was walking yesterday, I had a very strong image of being in God's way, so much so that I stepped aside off the path to let him pass and lead me. When thinking of our adult children, let's ponder the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Matthew 18, 19 to 20. The words for me, all nations, makes me think my children. And my Texan and I were diligent in guiding them to discipleship while they were under our roof. As far as the obeying when we let them go, well, we pray that they obey. When I get bogged down with legalism and finger pointing and sin grading, I'm in danger of losing sight of who my children are. And I'm working on really letting them go to free myself up for God to continue his work. Not with them, but with me. When I'm obsessed with my children and what they're doing, I'm placing a boulder on my pathway so I can't get on and continue God's work that's waiting for me on the other side of empty nest. Interesting, huh? And the folk who live in this community, well, so we're told they're all seasoned empty nesters. We haven't met very many of them yet, but they're all retired. And they're also professional boaters, and they lead a life that is theirs, not governed or influenced by their children. And I pray that we've been put here not only as a blessing for the house owners, but to be able to learn from those around us how to move forward. I'll pass any tips I get along to you, so be prepared. 
prepare writing sabbatical to work on a book about managing the last few years of my parents' lives from afar. My group, that's my writing and reading group, have encouraged me to put in emotions, how I felt when certain things happened, like when my mother was irritated with me for leaving her in a nursing home with my father because I thought it was the safest place she could be while I was preparing to visit them. She just thought I was putting her in prison. I was sitting at my computer wondering how I was going to choose just the right words to convey my feelings when I had no idea as to where to start. When I came up with a good system, I asked Google for synonyms of the more commonly used words I use like guilt or ambience or decadent, and up come a host of related words to help me more accurately express myself. I was reminded of how I used to help my children find words to paint pictures of how they were feeling. I had a list that had been used during my Stephen ministry training. It was designed to help us better relate to how other people may be feeling in particular circumstances. Children get, a, get inside their characters' heads when they were writing. I culled a couple of dozen words from the hundreds on the list and I asked the children, to choose four that best described how they were feeling at that moment during particular times of the day or when certain things happened like winning a game, eating a meal or auditioning for a show. My not very verbal son who preferred to be climbing a tree or swimming in the creek just sitting down descriptive words to express himself He likes to get up slowly in the morning, have his breakfast, get dressed. And if we had to go somewhere, he preferred to get up a little earlier so that he could take his time. I put it down to a trait that runs on the male side of my family, which my mother and I called tardiness. Up until then, I saw its effect on my mother and me. I'd never considered what our badgering to come along was doing to any of the slow to late members of our family. He felt most of the time. So I determined to modify my behavior towards him. He still likes to do things at his own pace. He doesn't do well with unexpected deadlines and hates to be pressured, all of which was exactly what I was doing when I set assignments that took him away from his doing schedule. You see, words are very valuable, along with listening and observing. In fact, whole language communication is a complex one that our children need to master. One homeschooler who was able to master the, the descriptive word is Christopher Paolini, the author of Aragon, the first book on, in his four-book series. On our journey to Florida last week, which was uneventful, by the way, that's how we like our journeys, we had downloaded an audiobook, incidentally my doer son's favorite one, the above-mentioned Aragon, to keep his company on the road. And while I was taking my two-hour stint at the wheel, we listened to it, and then for another several hours, and when we arrived at our first hotel, I fell into bed at 7.30 and stayed there until the following morning. No dinner, no exploring, nothing. The following day, I thought it must have as ever use of words were conjuring up. I was exhausted. Good job, Mr. Paolini, but that was the last we heard of Aragon on our journey. I've read the first two books, but my doer son wants me to read the other two so that we can discuss them. He's listened to the series twice now. Oh, they're very long. I doubt I'll have the time for the audio version since I can't be doing anything else. I'd better go out and get the books. And my break is coming up, and I have to comment on the house where we're staying. It's small and airy, with screened-in porches that easily add another third to the square footage. And we leave the windows and sliding glass open, and a lovely breeze curses through the house. 
And after the break, I'll be here with my guest, Mike Donnelly. So please get yourself a drink and come right back. How do you help toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports Radio Show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues automotive and motorsports features and special music presentations johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime tv and radio host this program draws on johnny's experience in shooting motorsports and as a professional entertainer musician don't miss johnny roland news guns and motorsports Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back a regular on The Sociable Homeschooler, which speaks volumes about how passionate he is about this blooming educational movement. Mike Donnelly serves as staff attorney and director of international relations for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. He and his wife homeschool their seven children. And Mike is here today to talk first about the Ramica family. And then we're going to talk a little bit about homeschoolers and perhaps a touch of peer pressure from family and friends. So welcome, Mike, and thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Hi, Vivian. Good to be with you again. Well, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Doing very well. Well, good. Well, Mike, you know, the last time we spoke, it was April, just over a year ago, and we had heard the ban recently. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it wasn't quite overturned, but the result is uh, is is fine as far as we're concerned. So it was quite a okay. bit of drama. I'm sure a lot of the listeners may have been following it, but mm-hmm. it was quite dramatic. Uh, after the third, after the sixth circuit said no uh, to our uh, 
request uh, mm-hmm. to well to to rehear the case. They had mm-hmm. denied our, uh, our our request to have the Romanikis stay, ruled against us, and then we asked for another hearing, and they said no to that. We took it to the Supreme Court, and uh, there was a bit of, quite a bit of drama associated with that as the as the court asked the government to respond, which the government didn't initially respond. And then they ended up, uh, the court ended up holding the case over a week and, uh, you know, giving indications and signals that maybe they would hear the case. And, but then on, uh, uh, I think it was the first Monday of March, they declined to hear the case. Uh, but the following day, so we were all very downcast. We were very uh, upset about about it, and we we're living here for almost six, going on seven years now. And really, this is home for them. Mm-hmm. The very next day, uh, unexpectedly, the Department of Homeland Security gave us a call and said that they were granting something called indefinite deferred action status on the family, which mm-hmm. basically means that they don't ever have to go back to Germany. The, the Department of Homeland Security is exercising what they call prosecutorial discretion to not prosecute the order of removal, uh, and they said that was indefinite uh, based on the good behavior of Mr. Romica as long as he doesn't do something nasty or get in trouble, which I can't imagine uh, he would ever do. Uh, his family's an amazing family, godly Christian family. They'll be able to stay. So a very good uh, outcome there. Although we would have liked to have seen the Supreme Court take the case and rule in our favor, this is uh, just about as good as we could ask for. Well, that's wonderful. So how did the Romica family feel? Well, they're very happy. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, you know, they've <laughs> they've been through so many court cases and courts and hearings since they mm-hmm. moved here in 2008. Uh, but uh, uh, they're very happy that there isn't going to be any move to kick them out, send them back to Germany, where there's some very nasty things happening to homeschoolers yeah. these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, is this something that now it's all quiet nothing else is going to happen or is there going to be some more some more action going on behind the scenes to maybe move it ahead to a more definite decision well this is not a uh status that will lead to permanent status or to citizenship status for the family Mm -hmm. so it is you know it's it's kind of a a gray area a no man's land Mm -hmm. so to speak Mm -hmm. uh and so we do have some thoughts about trying to get the immigration law changed to recognize this kind of uh, persecution where parents yeah. you know, are not being permitted to homeschool their children or are not being um, protected in their right to make decisions about how their children are educated and are mm-hmm. treated harshly like is happening in, in Germany so that mm-hmm. families like the Romaicas could come and actually get asylum more easily. And that would, as you know, immigration yeah. reform is moving very slowly in the Congress, but that's kind of our thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know when I first came to America, I was I was given a permanent resident alien card and I was told it would never expire. And then eventually when I had to leave the country for over a year, they told me I would not be allowed to come back unless I became a citizen. Wow. And, you know, this was just like, I know. And it was just like two years ago. And I said, but I was told, well, you know, yeah, lots of things have changed. And so I was. Yeah. Yeah. So that that so that's good good maybe for the, the Romaikas that things could change for, for them for the better. So we'll keep them in our prayers and um, keep, keep the, um, looking at the news at hslda.org. That'll keep everybody updated as to what is going on and where our prayers need to be directed. Okay, thank you for that update, Mike. Um, I do have a question for you. Um, I have some listeners who are worried about some of the negative media that they hear 
um, or read in newspapers. And these young families <clears throat> are investigating homeschooling. They like to look at both sides. You know, they, they hear the, the um, great stories about how wonderful homeschooling is, but they want to see if there are other sides where the stories aren't quite so great. And of course, the media picks up on those stories fast. And it was something in The Guardian that said um, that homeschool children are twice as likely to be known by social services and four times more likely to be out of work than those to go, who go to school. How, what, what would I say, how would you um, talk to potential homeschoolers about how to sensibly read these kinds of headlines without becoming unnecessarily concerned or worried? Wow. Well, that's interesting. Um, I've never heard those statistics, and I dispute <laughs> the veracity of them, first of all. <laughs> yes. Um, I, would, uh, I would like to see the Guardian story. Of course, the Guardian, you're talking about the Guardian in the UK, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. So, well, yeah. so, so, so first of all, I don't know if they were writing about globally or if they were writing about the UK. It's possible oh, yeah. that yeah. that might be true in the UK, although I highly doubt it, highly mm-hmm. doubt it. It mm-hmm. certainly isn't true here in the United States. Um, you know, there are concerns that a lot of homeschooling families have legitimately about coming to the attention of social services. I mean, that's been part of the history of home education, right? Mm-hmm. Going back uh, 30, 40, uh, well, going on 40 years now, back when the movement really started to grow, it wasn't legal to homeschool, technically. Of course, we always had a constitutional right to direct the education of our children. That's been the case ever since the founding of the Republic, even going back further than that, of course, um, even back to the, uh, you know, um, if you go back to the United Kingdom, where a lot of our law is based on, uh, you read about um, people like John Locke, who said things like, you know, the state has no authority whatsoever in the education of children. And our founders based a lot of their views on John Locke, and a lot of the people who came here agreed with what he thought about the role between parents and the state. And, and so that's the way it was for many, many years. And it took a long time for this idea of compulsory education to kind of get started for there were public schools around most of the country, and uh, compulsory education uh, ages were usually around 12, and then they started to increase, and then they started to de- decrease. And so it's a fairly new idea. But, uh, but in any case, we've always had that right to direct the ch- our children's education, but as compulsory attendance laws required that children go to school, uh, there were penalties if you didn't either send them to school or have them privately educated or homeschool. Uh, and homeschooling wasn't often an exception. And so uh, in the 70s, as p- many families began homeschooling, and more of them, they became more noticeable. And people would ask questions like, well, how come your children aren't in school? Or they would see them out playing during the day or what have you. And people would start asking questions. Well, you should be in school. That's where every child needs to be. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. social services would be called. Truancy officers would be called. And so it was a very uh, – it was part of the movement that you knew that if you were going to homeschool children – this is going back 40 years you – were, you, you were a – at a very high risk of being noticed, number one, unless you were hiding. And a lot of homeschooling families did hide. Mm-hmm. They closed their shades. They kept their doors. You know, there are stories of families, uh, you know, they would <laughs> they'd go out to the car in the morning as if they're going to school. They would drive uh-huh. away, and then the kids would hide down underneath the seats, and then the mom would drive back home, drive in the garage, and then they would be quiet in the house all day, and then they'd repeat the thing in the afternoon, and the yeah. kids would then come home and go out and play as if they had just been mm-hmm. to school. So this is kind of the the story of the movement 40 years ago. 
Uh, as homeschooling became legal, and it is legal now in all 50 states in America, there are 2 million children homeschooled, almost 4% of the school-age population. Virtually everyone knows a homeschooler. Uh, most people who know homeschoolers have very positive experiences with them. Uh, there are some of these stereotypes that are still out there. A lot of people ask silly questions like, well, I shouldn't say they're silly questions, just uninformed questions, uh, you know, about socialization. Does it work? You know, are the kids ready for school? Uh, are they going to get a job as your statistic is questioning? You know, uh, and so the concern about coming to the attention of, of social services is much less than it ever was. And the reality is a lot at HSLDA. I mean, we get calls all the time um, from homeschooling families who are dealing with social workers. Now, that doesn't mean it's many of them, but, you know, it just means that we're getting a lot of calls. But there are a lot of homeschoolers. So the numbers are going to be fairly significant just because of the number of homeschoolers. That's the social worker question. The um, the job question, uh, I, I mean, the reality is, and it's interesting you bring that up because we have a story in the news that is going very uh, mainstream right now. In fact, Fox News is picking it up. Um, today there's a story about a company in Ohio called, uh, well, it's actually an Indiana-based energy company. It's called NISource, and they have a Ohio subsidiary that uh, this young homeschool graduate uh, was encouraged to apply for a job with. He was actually encouraged by people who work for the company. Uh, he's in his early 20s, and he uh, works in the industry, and these, he works with these, these nice horse employees, and they said, you know, you are great. You should um, apply for a job with this company. And he said, you know, I think I will. Um, and he did. And they, 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 you know, he has years of experience, great recommendations. He's got industry certification. He's got a good education. In fact, he did uh, his last two years in high school. He went to a community college uh, or a state college, and he made the dean's list, took seven college courses, did extremely well, which is often what you hear about homeschoolers. This is a typical uh, homeschooling story. But when the fam, when the credential, or you need to take the GED, uh, and, and they rescinded the job offer that they had already made to him, on the grounds that he had a homeschool diploma. And so the reality is this does happen. It doesn't happen that much. It used to happen a lot more, but it does happen. And our organization is working with legislators in Ohio to try to fix this in the law. But, you know, it shouldn't take a, a legal fix um, mm -hmm. to make the point that you ought to hire someone based on their individual merit, not exclude an entire class of people because of how they are educated. So the reality is I think homeschoolers get jobs. They do very well. Uh, that's the uh, experience of many employers. But unfortunately, you have a few narrow-minded people out there. Couples who are making a decision to homeschool, what if the wife, for example, has done a lot of research and she's you know, trying to persuade her husband that this is a mm. perfect decision? But her husband's still a little bit on the fence. You know, he's been reading, hearing mm -hmm. some of the statistics and reading mm -hmm. some of the stories. Sure. And they go to a good church and, you know, maybe the question comes up, well, if it's biblical, why, aren't, why isn't everybody here homeschooling? I mean, you know, there aren't very mm -hmm. many people around that are homeschooling, mm -hmm. especially in this area. Mm. Um, how, how, what advice would you give to get these parents maybe on the same page, yep. the page for homeschooling I'm talking about? Uh, not not trying to yes. dissuade the wife against it, but bringing yep. them into line. Um, well, I think uh, that's a very good question. That is a common thing, where you know the wife, you know, often it's the the mom's intuition or um, desire to want to homeschool. And my experience is that most dads, although they may initially kind of question it, um, are 
often willing, since the, the mom is the one who's going to be doing most of the work, once they get informed about it, are willing to go along. Um, but the, the reality is this does happen, and so uh, the mom needs to get um, some information into her husband's hands. I mean, the, the important thing is that family, uh, husbands and wives need to be on the same page. They need to be in agreement. Um, the marriage relationship is extremely important, regardless of, of whether you homeschool, public school, private school. Um, you know, that's a very important relationship in the lives of children. And unfortunately, the reality is there are cases where homeschooling creates real problems when there is this kind of a rift. And so my encouragement to moms and dads is that they work together and prayerfully get informed, get information about the pros of homeschooling, the cons of homeschooling, and evaluate their own circumstances to make a decision that they can both agree with. But if I was that dad and my wife came to me and said, I'm interested in this, um, you know, I know that it may be something a little bit different and maybe there are people who aren't um, you know, they're in social circles where there aren't a lot of people doing it, and they may feel a little funny about that. The reality is that's not so much the case anymore. Uh, there are large pockets of homeschoolers everywhere, and it's very mm-hmm. easy to get involved with a support group, uh, you know, get to know a homeschooling family so you can see how their children are doing most of the time. Uh, they're going to see some extremely bright, articulate, respectful young children, and they're going to want their children to be like those children, which doesn't mean that homeschooling is a silver bullet or an answer to all problems. Just because you homeschool, your children are going to be polite, or your children are going to be respectful, or your children are going to, uh, you know, go on and do amazing things, you know, or win the National Science Award or what have you. But mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, you know, what the research shows is that homeschooling works. It works very well. And you can understand that as you just think about the nature of homeschooling. You've got children who are in a nurturing environment where parents are involved. Parental involvement is one of the number one drivers uh, and social um, um, success for children. That's very high in a homeschooling environment. You've got high levels of academic engagement where the children are actually working with the material, and that's not what happens in institutional school settings. It's a lot of, you know, open your book, sit down. There's not a lot of active learning that happens in school, which is why they send home a lot of homework. In the homeschooling environment, you don't need that much homework because there's a lot of academic engagement, which is what, you know, really drives the pace of learning in the educational environment. So, you know, my advice is to to the mom or the dad, get information, provide that information, answer questions patiently. Um, You know, don't get irritated with your spouse because they don't agree with you. Um, You know, persuade them lovingly, prayerfully, and, uh, you know, be persistent. Uh, get other people involved who, you know, try to ask questions of other people who've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Call HSLDA, go to our website. We've got tons of resources that people can use to answer these questions and help um, answer the legitimate questions that a spouse might have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked about being academically engaged in the homeschool. And my daughter ferries a couple of middle school and high school girls around to their after school programs every day and she said that all they do is tests there's always a test going on that Mm. spans two whole days and Mm. so their whole life at their school is revolves around you know teaching to the test and I get a lot of you know as a homeschooler people say to me well what about when your child has to start taking tests when they go to college how are they going to do that these these state tests and 
I think, well, you know, they'll be able to do them and they have been able to do them. I've told them that. Why is this a concern? And do children need practice at these kinds of tests all the time? That's a really good question. Uh, I think different people have different points of view on that. I'm not quite sure there is a right answer to that question. Um, you know, we, my children have taken standardized tests a bit along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my oldest two are just in the process of taking the SAT and the PSAT. They've taken the PSAT. One of them is going to take the SAT. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they have taken a, a handful of standardized tests along the way. My oldest two took the PSAT did quite well on it without mm-hmm. tons and tons of practice. Now, mm-hmm. I don't want to generalize my experience to everybody else, but my sense is that a little experience along the way is probably helpful, but you can get that through practice tests, mm-hmm. and tons of those are available. So I don't know that, mm-hmm. you know, taking tests every year just to get them ready to, quote, unquote, take tests when they go to college. And, and in fact, the tests, you know, the standardized tests they do in schools and high schools and public schools are nothing like the tests that you take in college. So yeah. in that, from that respect, there's absolutely no connection between college testing and public school standardized testing, which mm-hmm. is really all tied to this focus that we have in our policy area on measurement. It seems like they're spending so much time testing, one wonders if the kids are spending any time learning. Exactly. Exactly. But I think well, that main test that you were talking about, PSAT and the, the SATs, is the test that a lot of people see that. Vivian, I lost you. Can you hear me? Anyway. Right. Oh, got you back there. Okay. Are you there? Go ahead. I lost you for a yeah. few seconds. Yeah. No, we were talking talking about those um, tests to get into college, the SAT scoring the to get you into college. And as far as my children went, we didn't use those tests to get them into college. We went a different route completely, and they oh. completed their four-year college early. And that's how it worked out for us. So... You know, testing, well, actually, that's yes. a good point. I mean, you don't have to yeah. go the four-year college route and take the SAT. There's lots of other options available yeah. to homeschoolers, which is yeah. one of the great benefits of homeschooling. There's so many different yeah. ways you can approach education. So, yeah, I absolutely. mean, that's, and, and that is something that you don't learn right away. You kind of... And how is it going to affect us as homeschoolers if it's going to affect us? Yeah, so the question is, how will the Common Core affect homeschoolers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, so here's the concern, right? So the Common Core is a big deal. It's hard to understand. There's a lot of moving parts. Let me try and make it uh, understandable here at a very high level. So the Common Core was a set of standards that was written by a private organization. No state or public agency was involved in writing these standards. So the National Governors Association and the um, Association of Chief School Officers. And, and it was funded by private organizations as well. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had a, a large hand in funding the writing of these common standards. And nobody really was – there were very – few people involved, very little, if any, public comment. And so these standards were written behind closed doors under a veil of secrecy. Nobody, no public had input. And then the federal government, um, using stimulus money and grants, enticed the states, bribed the states, if you will, into adopting these standards. And the legislatures were along with this because they wanted the money and they, some of them wanted to improve their standards and thought these would be better standards. Now, there were only two standards that were initially released. One was the English and one was the math. So 45 states uh, by 2011 had adopted these common core standards in English and math, had gotten the money. But they ha- in order to get the money, they also had to agree that they were going to improve their data system, that they were going to make it na- sort of a nationalized 
um, mm -hmm. template. They're going to have to use a nationalized template that would allow for, in the future, a national database, which is something that I'm very concerned about and many people are concerned about. They mm -hmm. had to agree to use a national assessment. There were only two options. They had to join one of these two groups that were developing these assessments that were going to assess the English and math standards, but also the other standards that were going to be released. And this is where the fight is right now. So uh, a lot of people are concerned about these standards. Uh, some people say they're not that great. I think that's probably true. Are they better than the standards in some of the states? They may be, but that's English and math. There's other standards to come. Nobody's even seen them. So mm -hmm. these states bought onto this whole process without even knowing what it was, the whole thing was going to look like. The assessments hadn't been developed yet. The databases hadn't been developed yet. They bought into this process without knowing at the front end what it would look like, what would be involved with it. Very foolish, in my opinion. Now, mm. how does it affect us? Well, here's, here's the whole uh, idea behind Common Core. They want to develop a national set of standards for college readiness and career readiness. Okay, that's the idea of Common Core, college and career ready, and to establish these frameworks that if children go through these frameworks these, and take these standards and take these tests and then they develop and, and then they have this information in the database that companies or colleges can then use to evaluate a child's performance, through this process, then that will help the company or the college identify whether this child is ready for a job, ready for college, what job they might be ready for, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so the concern should be obvious at this point that we, homeschoolers, are not going to be doing that. We are not going to be taking those tests. We are going to be not going to be having our information put in those databases. We are not going to be teaching those standards to our children. And so are we then going to have difficulty? Because that's exactly the kind of thing that we're concerned about happening, and it's happening now, not and without even Common Core being implemented for just a couple of years. So it's a very serious concern. People should be concerned about it. Uh, the reality is that when you look across the country, there is a great uh, amount of people who are now resisting Common Core in yeah. the public schools. I mean, this is a public school standard. Okay, it's not about homeschool standards. The effect on us is indirect, even if it has the potential to be very significant. But yeah. People had no idea this was going on. Now they're becoming aware of it. You've got a lot of legislators who are upset about it because they weren't informed. And now they're withholding funding. They're saying, no, we're not going to do these tests. But it's a big fight. Uh, there is a big fight going on. It's going to get bigger and bigger, I think. I mean, you've got fights in Massachusetts, New York, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, uh, you know, all over the country. So I encourage yeah. people to get informed. They can get informed at our website. We've got a special website, hslda.org slash Common Core where there's a great 30-minute documentary that they can watch to learn all about these issues and understand what Common Core is and why they should be concerned about it. Okay. Well, wonderful, Mike. And I know we're homeschoolers, and I know it may not affect us, but as good citizens, I think we should be concerned for what's happening to our country, what's happening to our children. You know, I so. agree with you. I, I, I personally agree with you. And uh, I, I, it's a, you know, th this whole approach to education, national standards, national curriculum, national database, national testing – it's very restrictive. And when you compare that approach to what homeschoolers do, I mean, we're very flexible. And that's why homeschooling works so well. And so, you know, if we want to have a country with a good, that has good future prospects, we should be concerned about our public education system. And this is a wrong way to go. Well, Mike, I'm going to let you go. You. And I'm going thank to go you, on a break. But, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. You have a great you. weekend. And hopefully thank you. we'll great speak Great to talk with soon. you. God bless you. Have a good one. Bye. Well, that was Mike Donnelly, and um, he had to rush off. And it just happens to coincide with my break. So I'm rushing off for just a moment. And
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown, and after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Evermore. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I was chatting to Mike Donnelly from the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, where he serves as staff attorney and director of international relations for member affairs and is adjunct professor of government at Patrick Henry College in Virginia. Mike's work, both in America and around the world, ensures that homeschooling remains a parental choice for all of us. As I said, he and his wife school their seven children. He's a frequent speaker and writer on homeschooling. Today, you heard him talk about the Romica family and you heard him offer encouragement for those parents who may have family, friends, and maybe spouses who don't support um, their idea about homeschooling. And um, go to www.hslda.org, and if you do slash Common Core, you'll find out all of the news about Common Core. I've got those both linked on my website, The Sociable Homeschooler, and my front page here at Toginet. I'm sure you enjoyed our conversation got a lot of information packed in there from Mike and um, I uh, encourage you strongly to go to the website. I encourage you strongly if you haven't already to join HSLDA. It's a wonderful, wonderful organization and it is um, worldwide. And uh, back to Florida after all of that. Day two of our 
uneventful journey because my husband and I decided to take a couple of days to drive. I really didn't want to be behind the wheel for any longer than six or seven hours. Not that I was. We did two-hour stints between us or each. Um, But on our final day, we were nearing Ocala when the traffic just stopped four miles away from our exit. And it took us three hours to get there. So here I was doing my two-hour stint, just getting ready to finish it. I ended up being behind the wheel for about five and a half hours, but the last three hours was just four miles. And I was driving, and my gentleman was doing what gentlemen do best. He was being polite and wondering why I didn't get over into the other lane that was moving and cut in further down the line, closer to the exit. I wouldn't do that because I know how irritated I am by people who do that. Aren't you irritated by that? It was an exercise in patience. And we did go through a scenic route to our hotel once we'd exited. And we discovered that Ocala is a large thoroughbred area. The horse farms are beautiful and they have Spanish moss draping from magnificent large live oaks. I was smitten with the countryside so much so that we had to go back the following morning before mass and I took some photographs. And um, the dogs that were sitting, we have a couple of canine dogs, thank goodness, unless they hear an unexpected noise. And then it's just a grump, not a bark, bark, bark. Blake is a large shepherd mix. He's six years old and an old softy. I've never had such a large dog and he's quite impressive. And then the sky, a very pretty perky westy. looks exactly like all those pictures on boxes that you get in those special little treats, little white face, cheeky little face. And she loves rolling in horrible things. And she gets grass stains on her lovely white coat. We've already washed her in the utility room sink twice. She's three and she is not at all ladylike. She has a charming little quirk. We have to take them out We can't just let them run free in the yard if they want to go and pee because they might run across the road to visit the pit bulls that um, aren't very dog friendly. So we have to have them on a lead. We take them down to the little cul-de-sac and she doesn't like doing that. She hates it. So she lies down in the middle of the road in the full sun and she pretends to go to sleep. And so I just have to drop the lead and I carry on with Blake and he goes and does his business. And then I collect her on the way back. It's ridiculous. It's so funny. And the other afternoon, Blake decided to take his little soft crocodile with him. He looks so silly. Here's this macho dog walking along with this fluffy toy in his mouth. He carried it all the way, making it squeak every once in a while. Good job we didn't meet any of the other dogs along the road because I would have been embarrassed. I think they're beginning to relax around us. For the first couple of days of staying here, I changed my routine for them because I tried to continue their routine that they'd had with their owners. So I took them for their long walk in the morning. And I find the earlier I go, the cooler it is. So we go at 6.30. I don't know how long that'll last, early rising and the cool weather. But it's quite lovely. I walk past fields with cows and white birds. I watch the mist curling on the ground. I've spotted the odd orange left behind on the uh, on a tree in the orange groves. And I've seen kestrel and bald eagles nesting high on electric posts. And one morning I saw a riverboat making its way to Hager Lock when I went that way, which was another way to the way I usually go. Really, we've fallen into this little paradise and we're taking it in our stride. The early morning view from our screened-in porches of trees overhanging the canal with boats docked alongside these houses that are on stilts. I have an avocado tree outside my office, and every now and again I'll hear a thud as one of the little avocados, they're not quite ripe yet, falls off onto our car. 
And there are rubber tree plants, and they're huge and impressive. My mother would have been envious. This morning, though, I decided that I was going to change the routine because by taking them for their early morning walk, I forego my early morning yoga practice and I do yoga in the afternoon instead and it doesn't work so well. And so my Texan asked why I didn't do the yoga just after my walk and I said, well, it would be like eating all my meals first thing in the morning and then not having anything else for the rest of the day. He understood, I think. So I did my yoga as usual this morning after prayers and devotions and the plan is to take them out for a walk late in the evening. Well, I would want to go for a walk anyway because I like to go for a daily walk. And so let's see if I what how it goes this evening. See if I can get out there before it gets dark because when it gets dark around here, there are no street lamps and it is very spooky because you've got the bullfrogs going. There are alligators in the canal. There are cows in the fields and you hear these bellowing. You don't know whether it's an alligator or a cow. So we'll see. I'll let you know. And when it gets too hot, I can jump on the elliptical machine or the treadmill. I wonder if the dogs can do that. I wonder if I could train them to run on a, on a treadmill. <laughs> that would be too funny. Well, and I suppose that you'll have gathered by now that Turkey Creek is a small community and it's a boating community. And we did meet a couple of the people before the owners left and they asked us, what is your connection with boats? And we say, well, we don't have a connection unless you count the couple of years I spent powerboat racing off the coast of Guernsey, which I guess is a connection before I knew any better or the odd canoe we've turned over. Everyone here has a link to water and have either traveled the world or worked commercially as captains, administrators or renovators. There are yachts and cruises all along the canal. And I find I look out on my tranquil view in the morning and take it in my stride as if I'd always lived somewhere so idyllically beautiful. I'm also noticing as I look closer, old boats that need doing up alongside old houses that need doing up and think, it's not so different from beaten up pickup trucks in front yards, just different venue. And what about the couple whose house this is? Well, it's as if when we when we drove up and we met them, it was as if we'd known them for years. They're English, of course, and they're going to England for three months to visit their family and friends. And they've been here for 20 years, but that doesn't take away the Englishness. Can you believe we all have boarding school stories. I really was quite surprised because I was abroad and that's why I went to boarding school. Neither one of them were abroad to boarding school and it wasn't because they did anything wrong. Like here in America, when you go to boarding school, it's because you are uncontrollable. Although he has a little bit of a wild streak, but age, age has caught up with him. But we had this boarding school experience so we could relate to that. Um, Theirs was a little bit different because they were in England and their parents were still in England and they were able to go home for weekends and for um, half terms and their parents visited them all the time, which didn't quite happen with mine. Um, so that was that was something else that was we couldn't have really chosen a better match if we'd handpicked these people ourselves and we found them online, something we always caution our children against. And I had no worries about them on my way here. There was a total calmness as though this was exactly the right thing to do. I asked them if they felt comfortable when they left, leaving their home and dogs to us for three months. And they said, absolutely. And they said, do you feel comfortable here? And I said, yes, 
And quite honestly, as we've been here five days, we had somebody here who was buying their boat, which is an 87-year-old um, boat, which is parked on their deck or moored next to their deck. And he was here for a few days renovating it, trying to get it leak-proof before getting in it and heading north along the inland waterways. I didn't know you can get within a 100 miles of where he lives in Indiana. I never even knew that um, you could get to Indiana on a waterway, but evidently you can. So he just left. He left last night. We had dinner together, and then he left last night, and he's gone back to Indiana. So for the first time, we have this house all to ourselves, and the residents seem to get into their motorhomes during the summer and head north to where it's cooler. And the few that have stayed, that are staying, that I see on my walk, you know, they come out and they wave to me and they engage me in conversation. And they've said, oh, you're here for the hot spell. It gets really hot down here. And I think you're speaking to a Texan. I know how hot it gets. And we are near water. And the house itself, as I've said, is is designed in such a way that when you open windows, there's a wonderful through breeze. So you get that. It's a little warm. We've not had the air conditioning on yet, but I'm sure we're going to have the air conditioning on very, very soon. And um, that's all I have to say this week about the house, it's still relatively new. I'm still getting used to it, putting out my stuff. Not that there's very much stuff to put out. And um, done the once round with the dust mop, picked up all the dog hairs. Interesting, having dogs. And with the sound of a captain's bell in the distance, I'm going to wrap up. That's it for another week. Apparently, I may see alligators sunning themselves along the banks of the main canal. I've walked there several times in the hopes of catching one or two basking. No, so far. No sightings, but if I do, I take a picture. Thank you for listening to the Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Sabrina, my guests this week, Mike Donnelly and you, Joel, and Millicent Margaret, Jacob Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and kiss. Doop, doop, doop. Doodloop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenney on Togi